Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. It's Chad from Facebook, and I just wanted to say Cisco is wrong. Bulbasaur is not the cutest Pokemon. Charmander is, and my fire types will take your grass types any day. What's up, Primers, and welcome to this issue 95 of the DC Primetime Podcast here on the Next Level Podcast Network uh, from the Showcast Spotlight. Also here on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods, I am Rob Martin. Uh, Cast of Pods issue 43, yes. which was uh, just recently posted as well yes. to, the, uh, to the website. Mm-hmm. So you can always go on uh, nextlevelradioonline.com to catch the latest episode of the Castapods, or you can subscribe just by searching uh, Caffeine Crew Castapods on iTunes or Google. Indeed. So, uh, I wish I was a part of that one, too, the villains one, but, you know, it was such a good is one. life, such is life. <laughs> uh, and our friend Paul, Paul Williams, actually just... Uh, uh, released this episode two of his newest venture with Next Level Podcast Network, uh, What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. Uh, and I think this week, uh, episode one, he, he did uh, Gremlins, which is a great go-to classic horror. Um, and then this week, I think he did the Netflix movie, The Revival, which uh, is one I'm, I'm hearing some interesting things. Even Chris Hardwick recently came out and gave a recommendation for it and said it was a, a fun movie to check out. So I'll have to do that. <clears throat> so uh, apologies for this podcast being a day late, uh, as Rob had posted on the, the Facebook page earlier uh, over the course of the weekend. I had my surgery this week and all was if all had gone according to plan. Uh, we still would have been recording Sunday, but unfortunately, I had a little bit of a hellish day uh, in that I ended up back in surgery three times in a 24-hour period for uh, complications from complications stemming from the first surgery, which was uh, not fun. Not fun one bit. And I kind of feel like even right now, as we're recording, I'm kind of, I'm still pretty weak and uh, I'm sweating and I, I feel like I'm even struggling to talk. I don't know if that comes over or not. Ah, uh, no, you sound okay, buddy. All right. Uh, but I'm Dion. I'm getting through it, and we're still bringing you this podcast as we should. Because, um, yeah, this is what we do every week. We're committed to this. And uh, how. Uh, even though you and me are both kind of like, well, I just want to sleep right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So only a day late. It could have been worse. We could have been a week late, but we didn't want to do that to you guys. So, and we don't want to have to do a three and a half hour show. No. Uh, so, although this week there's only two shows to talk about. This coming week there's only two shows to talk about because uh, Arrow, Flash, and Supergirl. Well, Arrow and Flash are on break because of the Olympics uh, for two weeks, and Supergirl's on break for the return of Legends. So, 
that so wait we, we get a break sort of we <laughs> do but you know we're still going to talk about gotham by gaslight and of course the latest episode of batman enemy within so we still have uh, stuff to talk about oh god i gotta go back and play enemy within again because I, I i i did that like a month ago <laughs> has it has the last episode been out a month already uh clo- well close to by the end of this coming week it's been about a month yeah. Oh, I haven't even played it yet, so it'll be fresh in my mind when I play it. And I gotta, and again, I gotta watch Gotham by Gaslight at some point too. We'll do one one week and the other the following, just because. Um, Let's do Gotham by Gaslight this week. That sounds that good. way. I, yeah. So we'll do that, and then we've got still Black Lightning, and we still have Legends of Tomorrow. So. Yep. Yeah. So next week's podcast, next weekend's podcast of DC Primetime issue ninety six, will be Black Lightning episode five, and of course the return of Legends of Tomorrow featuring. Constantine, which I'm definitely looking forward to. Um, and how. I am so excited. <laughs> I'm really excited for that, honestly. Um, I, th- I yeah. think it's only like a two-episode run, but still. Yeah, that's it. But still, I, I you know what? I'm That's fine. I, I, I watched the promos for the two new trailers for the return of the rest of the season, and I'm like, I just, I'm ready. I'm so ready for this. Yeah. Uh, two orders of business, though, but that we have to get to before we get to the breakdowns of this week's shows. First, of course, we want to start mentioning at the top of every episode our DC Primetime voicemail. Uh, 1-888-247-5380, toll-free in the U.S. and Canada. As you heard, our line of the week is another voicemail from one of our listeners, listener Shad, uh, leaving a little bit of feedback about Cisco's remarks. Of uh, his favorite Pokemon from Flash from Flash last week, uh, so give us a call, leave us a voicemail, and you could be used as the uh, the line of the week or just as a clip as part of the podcast. And of course, the second and most important one. Uh, last week, we announced that we were going to reveal to you our January Fan of the Month for, um, as I said, January already. See, I'm already like doubling up on everything I'm going to say. Uh, but we, we promised you we would reveal our January fan of the month in this episode of the podcast, and we did that indeed. Let me tell you, I just went through all of our posts on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC Primetime, uh, and just anybody who liked a post, commented on a post, shared a post, your name went into a hat, and we drew your name from it. Your name only went in once, so, because there are people that comment on Almost everything and, and stuff. Um, and much to my surprise going through everything, there were a lot of names in that hat. But that's what we want. That's what we like. So we want to give it a broad spectrum as to who we can choose to be our fan of the month. And our fan of the month for January uh, is Kevin Bush. I know. Congratulations, Kevin. Yeah, we've seen him post quite a bit on some stuff and, and leave some comments. And uh, so I'm excited to uh, to finally have our first fan of the month. We'll do this again into March for the month of February. Uh, but Kevin, uh, either myself or Rob will reach out to you. If you don't hear from us in about a week, please uh, message us on the Facebook page and get a hold of us because uh, we're going to need your, uh, your hoodie size because we're going to be sending you out one of the... Uh, uh, you'll be getting the first one, actually. You'll be getting one before us. Yeah, I know. The, the brand new logo hoodie. So uh, enjoy it. So yeah. And make sure, as soon as you get it, picture Take a picture. Or it, did, yeah. or it didn't happen. And people need to believe you. So. Yeah, exactly. So congratulations, Kevin Bush, for being our fan of the month for, for January. 
Uh, all right, let's jump into things. Uh, we have the midwinter finale of Supergirl to talk about, the Flash and Arrow episodes before going into the Olympic break, and of course, Black Lightning episode four. Uh, so let's start first with Supergirl season three, episode 13. Give this our one of three point ranking uh, sidekick hero or legend Rob. What do you give Supergirl this week? Uh, this week, it's getting a hero, but a high hero. I would say if I have to give this a number score, it'd be about a 7-5. Uh, just a weird inconsistency with one specific character made this feel odd. So I'm wondering uh, if it's this, that. yeah, I'm wondering if it's the same thing I noticed does it, about does a particular it start character. With an a, does it start with an A and end with a Lex? <laughs> so uh, uh, <laughs> no, no, we have different consistencies. But all right. Uh, but no, I give this one a high hero as well. I thought this was a lot of fun. I thought this was a great way to wrap up the uh, this portion of the season before it's going into the break. Uh, and the way it wrapped up, it's definitely leave me, uh, leaving me wondering where they're going to go with this. Not exactly a huge cliffhanger ending, but enough to keep me intrigued to make me want to come back to this in about nine weeks when the show returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we have The Flash Season 4, Episode 13, a Sidekick, Hero, or Legend. Uh, again, high hero. Um, I was kind of hoping for a little bit more from the prison break, but uh, still interesting turn of events by the end of the episode yet again. Uh, and a lot of fun again with Ralph, as usual. But uh, yeah, uh, still not enough to push up into legend territory this week. Yep. Yeah, right there with you on that one, too. I saw it was a lot of fun seeing the return of a lot of characters uh, that we've seen in the past, former metahumans, uh, and and Barry really have no choice but to team up with them, too. And as you mentioned, interesting turn of events, how things turned up. I did not see uh, two particular things coming in this episode. Uh, One, uh, the wrap-up of what happens to the metahumans and such, and also, two, uh, the release of Barry from prison. I don't know why this was something I never considered. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I love the fact that they went into it and I had a big smile on my face when it happened. So we'll we'll talk about that in a couple minutes. Uh, next up, Black Lightning, season one, episode four, titled Black Jesus. Oh, Black, I'm, I'm giving the titles. I, we don't do that until later. Uh, <laughs> season one, episode four, sidekick hero or legend. Uh, hi, hero. Again, um, there's there's going to be I think you and me are going to be across the board today. Um, but yeah, and it's a uh, high hero again, a uh, really good episode. Um, but I, I, I'm still waiting for a lot of answers and certain other things to move forward. And it feels like we're kind of in a holding pattern. So, yeah, I'm, I'm giving this one a hero as well. I'm, I'm kind of torn between a mid to high level hero uh, only because I feel like this episode kind of dropped off a little bit. Um, every episode we've been getting a little bit more and more of these characters. And I kind of feel like this episode sort of plateaued a little bit didn't go down but we didn't get anything extra coming out of this week so that's why i'm only giving it maybe like a mid-level i still mm. thought it was a really good episode but it's it, it's uh um, a mid-level to somewhere between mid and high level hero to me mm. and of course we have probably the one you'll be getting the most surprised by our writing from this week uh arrow season six episode 13 sidekick hero or legend Sidekick. Just kidding. No, uh, actually, uh, legend. This one definitely was well-deserving of its legend. And uh, all I can say is called it. <laughs> yes, yes, you uh, you did. And, uh, yeah, this one is a is a legend for me as well. I think this is, is this the first legend this uh, this show has gotten this season from us? Uh, no, I think, um, I think I actually gave it one last week. And I think there was an episode or two earlier on 
that I believe I did as well. But okay. I I can't quite remember. It's it, we're I forget how many episodes in on places now, and my brain's just kind of mush. It's nine o'clock on a Monday night after a long day, so. <laughs> Don't ask me complicated questions that go back more than five minutes ago. Yeah. So <laughs> I will tell you, this is a legend for me as well. And I, there were a lot of elements of this episode that put that that put it in that category. Uh, but there are two words that set this episode way over the top to me. And they were two words that make me love this episode and make me fearful for the future. Michael Emerson. Mm hmm phenomenal performance by Michael Emerson in this episode. And we'll talk about that in more detail when we get to the episode to break it down. Uh, yeah. A nice, a, a nice nod to uh listener, Anne, who uh, actually put it best on her Facebook page. Yes. Just when you start to think a character is getting interesting and we'll get into <laughs> that in a second. So, well, she posted that. Yeah. There's a, there's a group uh, called the arrow mm -hmm. crew on Facebook right. that she posted that mm -hmm. in and, um, uh, yeah, and she was right on the money with that one. And she also thinks our listeners probably think she's crazy because we always make, oh, no, not <laughs> make at all. We, we don't think Anne is crazy at all. We love Anne uh, to death. We, we're happy that she listens. Uh, and we're, we're happy that she's so fanatical about Arrow, too. I mean, it, it definitely provides us a lot of feedback when we do these episodes every week. Uh, but well, I think ultimately – oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was getting ready to do the breakdown. So go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, yeah. No, I, I was going to say is, you know, ultimately, I think the coolest thing is with how many DC shows are, everyone's going to have their own favorites. Uh, you know, I know you're big, usually biggest proponent of The Flash. Yeah. Uh, I'm a, I, Legends is my show, like, and for her is Arrow, you know? It's everybody mixes it up and has their personal favorites, so... Yeah. Yep, exactly. Uh, all right, so let's get into the breakdowns and the reviews of these. Uh, I don't see a lot of these going too long because uh, you know they were pretty straightforward episodes this week. With the exception of Arrow, there was a lot of stuff that did go into Arrow and leading it open to the future. But for the most part, a lot of these episodes were pretty straightforward episodes. Uh, starting first with Supergirl Season 3, Episode 13, titled Both Sides Now. Uh, the DEO captures another world killer who escapes and attacks the city's subway tunnels. Another world killer. This is the first one. No, Rain. Well, it's Rain. Yeah, okay. Yeah, she they didn't is. really they, capture they, her though. She's out and about. Well, no, I the, the I think they mean it as the the they capture a the another world killer. Not saying that they <clears> captured <throat> two, but the second world killer. <laughs> so, gotcha. I think that's okay. what they. Uh -huh. right. It's okay. Yeah. Um. So one of the things I want to say about this, and I, I've noticed this. This is kind of, um. It's not distracting at all. I love Katie McGrath in the, you know, the role of Lena Luther. I noticed this last week and I didn't bring it up and I noticed it again this week. Her accent is starting to come through. Uh, it's been like that since the beginning of season two. Has it really? <laughs> but it's, it's been so predominantly noticeable to me for these past two weeks, um, which don't get me wrong. I love a woman with an accent. I wish we could hear her with her accent every week i would love the character even more um, I, I i just uh, honestly i'm still happy to have her on the show because uh I, she's been such a great ad uh but yeah no her accent has slipped through since episode one of season two uh very consistently um i mean it's again it, it's for a lot of people it's not hard to be able to keep with that sometimes it, it, it's a very tricky tricky thing to do so well, not only that but sometimes there are just certain words in in your vernacular that you just can't break your accent for you're just so like, naturally inclined to it 
like Benedict Cumberbatch trying to say penguin. If you've never heard him try to do that before, seriously, go to YouTube and just thank me for it later. <laughs> I've never heard it, but now I'm going to. So, uh, but yeah, but this episode obviously revolves a big element around the fact that they know who Purity is. Uh, you know, this is Julia, uh, Julia Freeman, who AKA Purity, the world killer. And they pretty much go to her right from the bat in the beginning of this episode to go and capture her and bring her in. And we see um, quite a few elements that develop mainly just because of purity. We, we see a little bit of a breakdown between Kara and Alex because of this. We find out later it's not exactly what we think. Um, by the way, I, I completely forgot this. Uh, <laughs> IMDb gave this an 8.0, uh, gave this an 8 rating, and IGN gave it an 8.6. So... Uh, again, apologies. I'm a little out of it this week. Um, but yeah, we see a little bit of a breakdown between Kara and Alex because of this episode. And we 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 learn a little bit more about the interesting relationship between um, uh, Monel and um, Imra. Is that her name? Imra. Emra, Emra, not Imra. Yeah, Emra. Uh, and we're finding out that this is more of an arranged marriage than anything else. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and as he put it, he feels, um, I guess, what was the best? Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly how he put it. He he, he was he he's kind of this settled, and he's just kind of like, yeah, I'm cool with it, and that's kind of what it is. And he does even specify in this episode during the talk with John that uh, that ultimately, when all was said and done through this, he did end up growing to love her. Um, I mean, this was very much the side story of it all this week, uh, with the exception of a little bit that hangs over at the end of this is kind of cliffhangery. <laughs> um, but I, I wouldn't even say it was a even strong cliffhanger. It was that whole idea that Brainiac and Saturn Girl are there for alternate reasons that he doesn't even know about. Uh, but it's just that idea of you are starting to see the seeds of Saturn Girl and Monel starting to fracture and i think this is going to be a continuation to put you know him and car back together which i don't think is a bad thing whatsoever um because i'd rather have chris wood stick around than not be a part of the show because i don't see brainiac 5 and saturn girl sticking around come next season so or well, unless they do and we're in the future next season so. Well, here's the thing, though. I mean, you mentioned that it's not that big of a cliffhanger, that there are ulterior reasons as to why, uh, alternate reasons as to why they are there. We don't know what those reasons are, so it is kind of a cliffhanger, is it not? Yeah, I, 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 well, I mean, it is, but I mean it in the way that I, the way that it was brought up was just kind of like, oh, oh, and there's this, by the way. And it just kind of felt like, that's that's it. Like, it just didn't play up, I think, the way that it needed to uh, for them taking a two-and-a-half-month-long two and hiatus. Um, none of the moments in the show at the end of this this episode felt like it was just kind of like, hey, this is why you should tune back in. N- there was never a moment that felt like that to me personally. So, um, Yeah, I, you, you mentioned, too, a little bit of that moment between Chris Wood and uh, David Harewood. Uh, the moments between Monel and and Jean, I have to say that was probably one of my favorite moments of the episode as well. Absolutely. I, I think the sequences between them was easily the best of this episode, which uh, maybe makes this episode that score needs to come down. I don't know, um, because that was such a small piece that really didn't feel like it factored that much into overall what was happening until we got that little 
nod from uh, Emra at the very end, but it was it just was these I like those slow downed moments between these characters when they focus on the relationships of the characters. I think those are my favorite pieces of the puzzle when it comes to Supergirl. Um, but I think in general, there was something about the purity angle this week that made me be kind of feel like, oh, that's nice. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's just kind of like, you know, I'd rather it, them walk away from the end of this episode this week with them knowing Samantha is rain and having to deal with that mess versus kind of feels like nothing. <laughs> so because when Kara's concerned, what was the cliffhanger for Kara? In all honesty, minus, hey, you know, Rain, yes, she took away purity. Totally understandable. But beyond that, it was didn't feel like much else happened. So. Yeah, there, there wasn't really a lot of, of cliffhanger as far as Kyra is concerned, like you mentioned. The cliffhangers that we did get as, you know, we, we did get that little bit of an element of Emra telling Mon-El that this is not the real reason we're here. Here's the truth. And, of course, we don't get any of that. We won't get that until the show returns. But I think another thing that a people uh, that maybe some people might overlook, just because of how casually it passed over, is we see that moment at the very end where Samantha goes into Lena's office. Uh, and she starts talking about everything. And Lena says to her, I know what's wrong with you. We're going to fix this. If Lena truly knows what is wrong with her, how does Lena know this? And how have we not known that Lena knows exactly. And that was a little out of left field um, yeah. and kind of confusing. I wasn't sure what they were trying to get at there. Um, but I mean, even going back when they have purity uh, captured this episode, uh, Alex kind of does really loses her cool in like a very un Alex way, like to an extreme point. Like she was very stabby, stabby murder in her eyes for no <laughs> yeah. reason. And that's what I meant. Like somebody just felt so uncharacteristically not themselves in this episode, and there there was just, just no reason for it whatsoever. Because it even happened before, like purity is egging them on. It's just she's like, "Nope, we're gonna kill her," and I'm like, "What is happening?" And it just confused me why they chose to write Alex this way. Then they explain it away. But I don't think it needed to happen to begin with. It was just so odd. No, Nothing and, felt normal about that. And I'm in, I'm in agreement with you on that, too, that it didn't have to happen that way. I mean, yet again, we're finding out that this is Alex or this is Maggie that's causing all of these problems, uh, you know, with Alex and everything that's going on with her and everything that's going on with her in her mind. And watching that scene at the end with Kara and Alex at the bar and Alex is telling Kara about, like, she sees, you know, she's got her on her speed dial in her phone and she wishes she could either call her or delete it, but she can't do either one. The first thought that came to my head was, Jesus, why are we still not listing Floriana Lima in the credits at this point? Because uh, she's not be she's not in the episodes, but she's being mentioned all the time. I don't think that's a problem, though. I mean, like this is I mean, honestly, this is no different than. Anybody that has been in a very long term relationship or anything like that and has gotten out of it and it it's hard to come back. No, to no, no. I, and I and I understand that. And I've been through it. I've almost more recently currently, you know, kind of went through it. But it, the fact of the matter is like it's it, it bothered me because why did this whole aspect of Alex like being stabby, stabby, whatever you called it. Why did it have to be because of Alex? Why couldn't it just be because the world is in significant danger and she thinks Kara's too soft? You know, like, why did it have to be because of because of Maggie? That was because I have a feeling that they just don't know what to do, because more than likely, 
I have a feeling that honestly and more than likely uh, Floriana Lima was supposed to be a larger part of their plan for this season. And I have no doubt she, she left and they're like, well, everything's written or the plan is written. And then we don't know how to course correct that heavily at this point. And I have a feeling that's kind of the case here. And I think they're just trying to find ways to make it work as best as they can. So. All right. Well, you know. But I mean, I could be entirely, entirely wrong about that. But it just feels like it's course correction and they didn't have the time to do anything but. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, again, it wasn't anything so huge that it threw me off and wanted me to give this episode a sidekick. You know, it was just a particular moment that I was like, okay, I thought we were done with this Maggie and Alex storyline um but i guess we're not and we'll i have no doubt we'll probably see it pop up again at some point in the second part of, in the last part of this season oh absolutely i mean i don't get me wrong i am definitely sick of it myself but <laughs> <laughs> I, I i understand what they're doing but i have at the same time it doesn't mean i'm happy with what they're doing so i mean hell even arrow backed off of alicity for a while yeah now that so, i said hey. that it'll come back after the olympics uh-huh. <laughs> uh anything I, I else i will blame you sir <laughs> uh, you, as well you should because it would be my fault um so yeah so we're seeing a little bit more now of everything coming to the view of rain we're now seeing that ruby is starting to realize there's something wrong with her mother um she she kind of had an instinct an instinct that there was something wrong but now it's very obvious when she's left alone in that in that skating rink and uh you know and it goes from there so um Anything about this episode that maybe we haven't talked about yet that I might be forgetting worth bringing up? Uh, um, I, I, I just I, I'm <laughs> concerned. Uh, I ha- I'm starting to see more concerns come in for my thought process with Supergirl right now. And I, I hope they can tighten back up because it feels like the last two episodes, they loosened up a little bit in some of the not right ways. So I don't know. I'm still hopeful. For, oh, I, for the, don't for get the me wrong. I, I still think it's incredibly enjoyable, uh, and I still think it's the best season they've had so far. I am just, um, uh, I, you know, where we fell at the mid-season finale, we had two really strong episodes back. Then it started to dip, and then it felt like another dip. Um, and this was an important episode for them to keep the momentum, and I think this is kind of treat it like mid-season finale again. And I don't know they felt like they should they there was supposed to be another piece here so yeah well it'd be very interesting to to note uh this isn't anything that's in the news because it hasn't officially been announced yet but there was something that did break online uh until it's confirmed i don't want to put any merit into it uh but they did there was something that kind of broke online earlier today that said flash and arrow have already been given their renewals for next season uh but supergirl and legends of tomorrow are still currently in the air uh, but they, the the article that did break did say that um, it is very, very likely they're both getting renewed next season. So there's not anything to worry about. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And we'll see. I mean, obviously, I don't think they're going to make any kind of decision on Legends as of now because Legends is just now coming back. So yeah, I, th- I, th- I think they're going to wait until to see how Legends performs and to see if Supergirl is still as strong when it comes back after Legends ends. Yeah, before they and make any kind all- of announcement. I think a big part of it probably also has to do a lot with their midseason shows and how the midseason shows do because they're probably also trying to figure out their schedule uh, and how it's going to work. So, 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Um, so obviously, we nothing to talk about for next week's Supergirl, as we do not have a next week's Supergirl for about nine weeks uh, while Legends returns and wraps up its season. But I can say uh, you're probably having already watched it by the time you're listening to this, but Legends of Tomorrow does return in place of Supergirl uh, with the return of, well, not the return of, the introduction of Constantine into the Legends of Tomorrow. And I think Wally is coming into this week, too. I could be wrong about that part, though. I I don't know if he's in this week or not. Actually, um, I know he's coming in soon. I do know that much. Um, maybe very much by the end of the Constantine arc. Uh, I, I, I generally have no idea. Uh, he was not in any of the promos. So I will say, as we've been recording this, because it is currently about quarter after, like 20 after 9 on a Monday night, Legends has already aired at this point, and I'm seeing some spoiler-free stuff pop up on Facebook as we've been recording. Uh, again, you guys will have probably already seen the episode by the time you're hearing this. We haven't, because we're currently recording. Um, but they are saying that it is amazing, and it is like exorcist freaky kind of episode of Legends of Tomorrow. With Constantine, how could you have anything but that? So Yeah, um, I, uh, the promo actually looked really, really solid off the bat. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I probably will be watching it, of course, some point this week. So, uh, All right, let's talk about The Flash Season 4, Episode 13, True Colors. Uh, Aminette makes a deal to buy all of the metahumans in Iron Heights, so Barry must decide if he should expose his powers to save his cellmates. Uh, IMDB gave this an 8.5, while IGN gave this a 6.9, so a little bit of a difference between the two. Uh, and I think you and I were right along the same page with um, a, a high a high hero, at least. Yeah, about a 7, 7 to 5. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we saw the return of a bunch of the former metahumans that were locked up and the the bus metahumans, as we know. Uh, we saw the return of Becca, uh, Becky Sharp. Um, uh, uh, God, why can't I think of their names? Um, <laughs> Dwarf Star was back. Dwarf so, uh, Star, that's it. Uh, Killjoy. No, Kilgore. Uh, no, Kilgore. So. Uh, yeah, Killjoy. So uh, oh, my I, God. I, I can't remember something. Fun. I can't remember. Yeah, it's, her name's Mina, but I can't remember her uh, her character's name for the life of me. Yeah, it's um, all good. So yeah, but we you know we see a big metahuman storyline with the four of them, along with Barry and of course uh, Warden Gregory Wolf, uh, and it looks like by the end of this episode. We are no longer with a lot of these characters by the end hey, of this. Hey, you know what? The, those characters you can't remember the names of, don't worry about it. It's not going to matter very and, soon. But you know what's funny, too, though? As out of all of them, I was actually really glad that the one that stuck around was my favorite out of all of them so far. Same here. And was Becky. It, it, yeah. And, yeah, well, she kind of stuck around. Uh, uh, yeah, a little, yeah, <laughs> a little bit different. But let's, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit more about that as we see. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, Warden Wolf is ready to sell uh, or make a deal with Amunet that if she sells any of the metahumans to whoever it be, he gets half. Uh, and uh, we see a jailbreak, which, like you mentioned too at the top of the episode, it, it's kind of odd seeing a, a jailbreak episode played out like this because I think a jailbreak episode you have to have Mick Rory at some point, uh, you know, and no Mick involved in this one as well. Uh, you know, because you go with the prison break references. Um, 
But we see, uh, you know, two main storylines driven throughout this episode. We see the one with the metahumans, and of course, we see more with Ralph, uh, and more character, de- even more character development with Ralph. And what really, really, really gives me a big fear about this is that I I don't want them to put all this character development into Ralph because by, by the time this episode ends, we find out that Ralph is really in a lot of danger. Uh, when it comes to uh, DeVoe and yeah. his plans for all these metahumans because their their storylines kind of meld back together by the end. And my fear is that I really don't want them to put all this character development into this character and make me fall in love with this character, which I already have, only to rip him away from us. I don't think a long-dated man's going to be going away the way some other characters did. <laughs> so I, I think... He's got a long future still, and more than I, likely, I what, really what, hope so. And whether it's on this show or in an, or in a completely different other show, it's a big wait and see. But I think, uh, I think he's safe. I, oh I, I my wouldn't... god! Could you see Ralph on the on the Wave Rider? Oh god, <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. But I mean, Hartley Sawyer is absolutely nailing it as this character. Um, and you know, they've kind of almost backed off of. Uh, Tom Cavanaugh a little bit uh, because they're giving these other new characters a time to shine. They're giving Hartley time to shine as Ralph Dibney. They're giving Danielle Panabaker time to shine more as Killer Frost now because uh, we get a little bit more of her interaction with Ralph this episode. There were a lot of other metahumans and they pretty much wrote it off this episode that, you know, Wells went back to Earth 2 to check on uh, check on his daughter. So I like the fact that they're giving us these opportunities to see all these other characters shine, especially Ralph, because we've gotten so much from this character so far. Uh, And we've built up this character so far and everything. We've, we're getting, we're still getting new abilities out of him as we are Barry, which I think is kind of, um, you know, we're now finding out that not only can he stretch and he's kind of bulletproof and rubbery, but he can change his form to look like somebody else, which comes into play this episode. Yeah, I was so happy that they finally got to that point because it was kind of like when you waited for Firestorm to do the transmutation. And I'm like, you know what? I wonder if they're going to do that this season. And they did it in a way that I didn't anticipate it. And I should have saw that coming. Um, But it was brilliantly, brilliantly done. And I love the fact that they played this angle up in a couple of ways this episode. Um, obviously him being visited by an old partner of his. It's kind of like, hey, there's something that we could do and make a quick buck. Um and him just feeling skeezy and sleazy from being around a person like that. And as he's describing him, fully changes his shape, <laughs> which is the way that it plays out was so great. And like, I loved the way that they did it, but I love that they were like, you know what? This is how we stop, uh, you know, this whole situation with Warden Wolf. All you have to do a place of this of, of the warden and break the deal. And watching him while well, one actor that plays Warden Wolf do the over the top back and forth with and that was so much fun uh and leaving ralph there that's completely floundering and through the entirety of it all was so um i really really enjoyed the angle of that but this you know pattern of that self-doubt within ralph dibney and why he's become as likable of a character as he has been so they're, they're making him that much more human you know 
Yeah. I mean, not only that, but again, like all the character development that when you finally get to that moment at the end, after you see everything play out with the other metahumans in the prison, which we'll get, um, and you find out that Ralph was is also one of these metahumans, and you find out that his life is really injured. They've done such a great job as building up his character that when you find out, you know, he walks into the room and he's like, why are you guys all looking at me, dead man? You legit get worried now for his character going into the season when it comes back from the break. So, because I'm legit worried now that I don't want to see anything happen to Ralph. I, and... I'm I'm not feeling worried, <laughs> so I I generally am not feeling worried. They haven't given me a real sense to worry yet. So yeah, I wasn't worried for HR either, and look how that turned out. Uh, uh, you know what though? With Kavanaugh, there's always that, a thousand and one Kavanaughs. That's, that's true. <laughs> there is very, only. Very Right now, there is only one Ralph Dibney. So. That's true. Uh, but yeah, but let's get into, you know, everything that happened in the prison. Obviously, we see Barry without his powers. Uh, we see all these other metahumans without their powers. They're all working together to get out, only to be confronted uh, when they... I, I, yet again, Amunet completely gets away. So we're going to see uh, Katie Sackoff return again at some point. I have it in my mind. And I am more than happy about it again. I know you <laughs> so. are. I know, again, it's a woman with an accent, man. Um, <laughs> and seeing her do her natural act, which I... Um, but yeah, but now we see them confronted by Vo uh, yet again in the form of Dominic. Uh, and now we're finding out that these people were pretty much pretty, pretty much just empty vessels to DeVoe. Their melodies didn't really have anything what he needed them for. Mm-hmm. I think... They needed, they needed to have a metahuman gene in them in order for him to progress, you know, his conscience into them. But what their powers turned out to be, I really don't think matter. Um, see, I kind of took it from this episode that DeVoe was planning on taking all of their powers still. But I don't think he was meaning to only take four people. I think he was meant to take the entire group. I think that was he plan if anything went wrong a litany of powers at his beck and call whenever he needs them that would help him get out of any situation necessary so, so you do do you think that's what it was because i took it as in he was just kind of like brain frying him to kill him do, do you think he was absorbing their powers oh yeah no you very much so i i think he he pulled all of their abilities from that uh, I, i'm pretty certain it's exactly what happened in that mix so okay i i didn't even Again, I'm kind of mentally not all there while I was watching him this week, but I never really considered that. And now that I'm thinking about it, it makes a lot of sense. Basically, the he's basically making himself a rogue, um, like X-Men's rogue of metahumans. He's absorbing their abilities and keeping them for himself. Mm-hmm. So, which will make things very interesting considering all the abilities that he now has, if that's the case. Yeah, uh, or actually, even a better, a better is a kind of Peter Petrelli esque character from. There Heroes. you go, from Heroes. Yeah, it's just, uh, or actually, not even that. He's actually who he is is Siler from Heroes, where he just took everybody's <laughs> powers and just kept pulling onto them and kind of became like an addiction. Yeah, so, yeah, he, um, is, he is. So he's, he's the Siler of the group. That's a, that's a good. Uh... Uh, a good similarity, um, a good wow. comparison to make, and a character I haven't thought about in a very long time. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I I saw him recently as Spock when I watched oh, yeah. Star Trek. But, Absolutely, you know, you know Zachary um, Quinto is wonderful. So, yes, uh, but it's so funny too that we, uh, a hero's reference because Maxwell Lord or not Maxwell Lord, um, uh, uh, 
crap. Uh, Morgan Edge. Morgan Edge. That's it. There you go. Morgan Edge it was uh, Peter Petrelli's brother in mm-hmm. Heroes. So yep. a Heroes actor is currently in the Arrowverse at the moment. Um, so, yeah. So we see all that wrap up. We see Deacon. Deacon. Um, Warden Gregory Wolf um, has pretty much. I guess he's dead. By the end of the episode, I believe he's been killed off as well. Oh, very um, much so. <laughs> his head was crushed. But um, here's the... No, I don't think it was crushed. I think it was just fried. Uh, no, his head was crushed. Uh, he didn't was have it? that little thing God. going. That was just the claw, and uh, it was just crush. God, I need to rewatch these episodes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so now here is my curiosity. I think we're seeing a turn of a character that I didn't think we would, and I'm curious. Do you think we're going to see Marlise turn... And help Team Flash. Yeah, I do. I think the mechanic is very much going to be switching sides or maybe is the linchpin um, for DeVoe before season's end. You just saw it more and more and more. Um, You know, especially early on in the episode when she was even trying to think of a song in her head to keep him from, you know, reading her thoughts was a big factor point. And you saw that continue again. And even DeVoe catching on to that and using some of the tears of the one meta um, to kind of pull her out of that. So uh, I think we're definitely going to see when she has a clear thoughts and clear consciousness around everything that we will see her turn. And uh, it's just a matter of when. And and I, I would assume that when will be the very finale of the season. Because that makes the only sense. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes doesn't make sense to have it like five episodes before the season ends. Or you're gonna see her turn a couple episodes beforehand, and Vo snaps and kills her, and will become even more enraged. It is only one of two options. That's it. <laughs> so, yeah my my only uh, my only biggest not biggest complaint, but my only really bummer of this episode is I love. Um, I love Sugar Lynn Beard. She's the actress that plays Becky Sharp. So when she first appeared as Becky, um, I was really excited to see her because she's a comedian, so I loved seeing her. Um, And she's really cute, so she's fun to watch. And so seeing her show up again in this episode and turn to actually be good and want to help Barry, I got excited. I was like, oh, maybe we're going to see Becky like be like Ralph and she's going to be like helping the team out. And then all of these metahumans start getting their brains sucked and, you know, their powers absorbed and killed off. And I was really hopeful. I'm like, man, I'm like, all right, Becky's going to die. This is going to suck. And Becky doesn't die. Becky is now DeVoe. Mm -hmm. So on the plus side, we're going to see her more often. So she's going to continue on the show, which I think is great for for the actress. Um, But from a character development, I'm kind of bummed to see Becky now be the villain. Well, you know what? So. I, I'm looking forward to but seeing. It, I, I like the fact that they they're having to vote bounce person to person to person. So it's kind of interesting to see how that's going to continue to play out. Um, you know, my personal thoughts now at this point in time are we're going to see Hazard uh, bite the dust probably in a few episodes after the next couple metas uh, make their way, and I would not be surprised personal thought process right now is DeVoe will be in I'm going to call it right now DeVoe will be inhabiting the elongated man before season's end as the big bad and they have to find a way to stop DeVoe and save um Ralph at, at season's season finale that is that yeah. is my gut call right now 
Yeah, I can see that. I mean, especially, I mean, because you, you do bring up a really good point, is that there were 12 people on this bus, uh, and we've only met half of them so far. If, I think maybe eight, so a little bit more than half at this point. There are still a couple left to go, uh, and we still have a good chunk of the season left. We still have about 10 episodes left of the season, so we can still meet these last couple. I don't think they're probably going to play as a predominant a part as these, as, um, you know, like Kilgore, um and Dwarf Star have so far. I think they're probably just going to be probably like one-off episodes uh, as he transfers consciousness more and more and, and gets more powers. But I think you're right. I think we could see a meld between DeVoe and, and Ralph by the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have a feeling that's... Because that'll be the best way to... If you want to have a strong closeout of this season, that's the way it makes the most sense because we don't have that connection to this version of DeVoe anymore, you know? Uh, that we did at the beginning. So now we're in a different spot. Although we did get to see all, uh, we did get to see Neil Sandilands return this episode, mm-hmm. uh, the original DeVoe, in the story that I, I don't think you or I even saw coming at all, and don't know why we never thought of it, in that Ralph took the form of the original DeVoe in order to make the judge believe that DeVoe was still alive. So that Barry was released from Iron Heights. Mm-hmm. Absolutely brilliant. And again, as much as I love this show and, and we've predicted some crazy stuff on this show, don't know why that thought never crossed my mind. Uh, I, I, I think honestly for me, I, it's because I didn't think they were going there yet with Ralph. And as I mentioned before, knowing that character, knowing what he is capable of doing, the fact that I didn't see it coming does make me feel kind of like an idiot. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, But you know what? Honestly, I think it's also, too, because the trial of the Flash is such a long story, and it's, it happens between such a different villain that you're like, how are they going to do this? How long is this going to go? Um, and, you know, if you've ever read the trial of the Flash, you know that's very much between, you know, Zoom and Barry. Or not Zoom and, well, yeah, Zoom uh, slash, you know, Eobard. Um, so in the context of the show, it's difficult to say Zoom because it means something different. Uh, yes. <laughs> so it's like, damn it. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, it makes it kind of tricky on how to figure out where and how they're going about things. But I think the way that it still played out, played out wonderfully. So, Oh, no, I agree with it, too. I, I, when, when he came in to the courtroom in the wheelchair as DeVoe, a huge smile burst onto my face because I instantly knew it was Ralph. Mm-hmm. Obviously, DeVoe is, is dead. So we knew, or the body of, the original body of DeVoe is dead. So when you see him come in, you know right away that it's Ralph. Um, and seeing that whole scene play out and seeing the shock on uh, Marlise's face and, you know, it, it really... Again, it just made me smile because I loved seeing that come out of Ralph and knowing even more so that Ralph is really the hero of of Barry now, too, because it's because of Ralph that Barry is out. Mm-hmm. So I, I and because, you know, Iris had no idea. Cecile had no idea. Um, Cecile knew when when Ralph came in because she could read his mind. But, you know. He didn't tell anybody he was doing this. Well, I'm pretty sure that Cecile knew because she said, we have evidence. It'll be here in any minute, any minute. And it's kind of like, uh, are you sure? Um, okay. All right. Or unless it's kind of Ralph being Ralph said, I have something. I will be there. 
and that's probably more or less what it was. And they were waiting for Ralph to show up with that final evidence. Just they just didn't expect it to be Devoe. <laughs> so yeah, more than likely, it's, that's probably I guess the best way to put it. So yeah still a lot of fun mm-hmm. um looking forward uh yeah i don't really think there's a lot of uh much of anything going forward into and there's a little bit it looks like we're gonna obviously we're gonna see becky sharp uh return um it titled the title of the episode when flash returns february 27th so after the olympics uh barry meets a powerful woman whose abilities could help him in his battle with devoe um after mean, meanwhile after learning that devoe Oh, this is interesting. Uh, meanwhile, after learning that DeVoe is targeting everyone who was on the bus, Ralph decides he doesn't want to be a hero anymore, and his only concern is staying alive. I think the so. title of the episode is number nine. Um, meaning it's called Subject, subject su- Nine. Subject Nine, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so obviously the ninth bus meta, so... Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we. So I was correct. We've seen eight so far of everything. And I think you, you counted them last week. Mm-hmm. To, to figure it out. Uh, anything else on The Flash before we move on to Black Lightning? No, that does it. Uh, all right. Then we'll move on to Black Lightning Season 1, Episode 4, titled Black Jesus. Black Lightning is recruited to rally against the 100 gang. Seems to be the plot line of every episode so far. Uh, Anissa investigates the new drug hitting, hitting the street. Meanwhile, familiar faces begin to reappear. Um, I think it's very interesting to note uh, on the Heroes and Villains side of everything on the con side uh they are now actually starting to book cress williams into a lot of these events uh cress is actually uh aka black lightning is actually going to be at heroes and villains chicago in april uh his first one so i'm looking forward to seeing how uh, heroes and villains treats him um they'll welcome him into the family obviously but again i mentioned it early on uh, in the beginning of at the top of this episode i feel like this episode kind of plateaued a little bit it was still an interesting watch. I still loved the episode, but as far as um, show development goes, it didn't fall off. There wasn't any less than we've gotten before, but I don't feel like we got any more. Uh, yeah, I don't uh, feel like we got anything new, and that's really all it was. Um, we saw Lady Eve make another appearance, and they just made her a little bit scarier. And at first, you're like, oh, she works as a mortician. I'm like, nope, that person's still alive. And you're like, oh, okay, that's a bit disturbing. <laughs> um <laughs> As she's embalming a live person, because, of course, why not? Um, <laughs> uh, but no, I, you're right, though. Nothing new felt like it happened. I was kind of expecting um, we would have seen a little bit more movement with Anissa. Uh, I thought maybe she would have been suiting up by now. Um, and no, we are seeing her very much in the vein of you know becoming a little bit more involved. Uh, and we're showing her... Get involved in the heroic side of thing. Uh, I think there was a, another great dinner sequence again as she's basically tearing the police captain a new one, um, which their dinner sequences in the show, I think, are some of the best because they're just written incredibly, incredibly well. And not only that, I think the show still tells me just from the things that they have done so far why Cress Williams' version of Jeff- Jefferson Pierce is such a likable character. Um he, he's got so much heart in the way that, you know, in the same way that I fell in love with Grant Gustin's version of Barry. Uh, it's that same exact style of heart where you're kind of like you're just rooting for this character. He is trying to do everything under the sun and trying to do everything right and realizes in the world that he lives in. 
it's impossible and he's starting to feel stretched thin, but you want him to succeed so insanely heavily. And I love watching him be the lead of this. But at the same time, though, too, his daughter Anissa is equally just as likable. It's that headstrong version, a headstrong version of the same character. And it's really fun to watch the story be told from both sides now of that of that dynamic. And uh, now that we kind of know that Gamby kind of realizes who is more than likely at the forefront of uh, of the attack outside of the uh, gay bar. Um, I, I have a feeling that this week we'll definitely see the next part of that uh, that puzzle come together where he's going to be like, well, here's your suit. So uh, and I'm looking forward to watching that play out. So I think that's really why this episode was enjoyable but you're right it, it there was not a lot of new movement uh that couldn't have been done in the first five to ten minutes and we could have been on to the next part of the story that we're probably waiting for for this week so yeah mm-hmm. uh it's it's interesting to note too that um I, I, one of the things i i pointed i i pointed out to myself when i was watching is that gamby better keep an eye out because he's gonna get himself into trouble he's keeping a lot of secrets from jefferson um, you know, obviously he knows about Tobias Whale being back and he didn't want to tell Jefferson about that before. And now he's finding out about he, he's kind of coming to grips with the fa- grips with the fact that Anissa is the one that's behind um, these abilities that's going on, as you had mentioned before. And he's kind of it almost seems like he wants to keep that from Jefferson as well. Uh, so I hope he really just doesn't get himself into trouble by keeping too many secrets from Jefferson. I mean, you're definitely going to see that probably blow up in his face, but at the same time, I think you can all, you also, I, as you brought up last week, the reason for what he did was to protect Jefferson. Uh, this is now a situation that's me like even more so intense. And probably he wants to confront her first and say, you need to talk to your father. So, uh, because I was kind of under the impression in the early on in the season, when you see that flashback, that, at least Anissa knew that he was probably black lightning or was able to put two and two together. But we obviously learned last week. And again, this week it's kind of reiterated without a in a roundabout way of saying it, um, that the family outside of Lynn has no idea, um, you know, has no idea, uh, that her, their father is black lightning. So, uh, so I, yeah, I, I'm curious to see how that's going to play out because it's the question of does Gamby tell, you know, Anissa, Hey, your dad is black lightning. Uh, or you just probably need to have a long time with your dad. It's like, I know what you can do. Um, and hope that Jefferson is the one that broaches the topic. I, I mean, I don't know how that's going to play out. I generally have no clue. Regardless, I'm looking forward to that moment because I think both of these actors are more than capable of having a really touching moment on screen uh, when they have this conversation. So it's just a matter of when that'll happen. Here's the other thing that I thought about, too, and tell me if you got this same idea from the way things played out in this episode is, yes, Anissa has these abilities and she's learning about these abilities. She's kind of honing them on her own, but we could tell, obviously, by the end of this episode, still some things she really has to get under control when, as far as these abilities go. But it seems almost to me going into this that I think she has a little bit of an overconfidence. Mm-hmm. Um, she's starting to realize she has these abilities. She probably knows that her father was Black Lightning and how he goes out and does this every day. So she's probably automatically assuming that she has abilities. Her father does this. She automatically can go out and do this without any problem. And, I mean, even just the way she confronts 
um, the two drug dealers um, dealing the green, selling the green and the one with the gun. And she kind of stands up to him. You do not know yet at this point that you are bulletproof. You're probably not. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're approaching this, and Nissa is approaching this way too overconfidently. And I think this is something that might come into play as to how Jefferson is going to find out. Yeah, she's she got she's got to get herself caught, hurt, or in trouble. And this is how they're probably going to find out each other as a hero. So that's yeah. how she's going to find out her father is Black Lightning. And that's how she, he's going to find out that she has powers. Well, do you think she knows already that her father is Black Lightning? Or is this still something that's up in the air? No, I was just saying a moment ago that I, uh, you know, there's the dinner sequence where it seemed very clear that she do, does not know that her father does is, not know. Okay, yeah. so right. I. I I was very confused about that up until this episode, and I think the way that that dinner sequence happened where it was like, don't you think Black Lightning's family is damn proud of who he is? But um, it's Jefferson makes a takes a uh, look at his wife kind of like kind of like, does she know? And then when he walks away, he's like really proud of what she said. But you could tell the way that she's speaking about it. She doesn't know. So. Uh, it, it confused me a little bit because they haven't made it abundantly clear. There's a lot in this show they haven't made abundantly clear yet. Um, but that was the first time I felt like, nope, she has no idea. So Yeah. And it's also fun, too, to, to see that, uh, you know, while this character has been around for well over a decade and he's just now coming into this, we're still seeing him get excited over new abilities that he has, whether they come from him or they come from the suit. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we see that electrovision or whatever it was that he calls it, uh, that Gamby calls it. And we see the excitement when he can look through this and see pretty much everything mm-hmm. as far as this goes. So I think that's a lot of fun. Um, as far as the uh, everything else with the episode, though, the only really other thing I have to say about this, and then if there's anything left for you, we can go into that. I'm not exactly sold, with the exception of the 100... I'm not exactly sold yet on the villains of mm-hmm. the show. Yeah, Lady Eve Tobi- and Tobias Whale, I'm not sure, too. Yeah, They feel kind of weak to me. A little flat. Um, yeah, and they're kind of almost confusing. I mean, we're seeing Tobias, who's coming across as the leader of everything, but we find out that he's not. Lady Eve is. But then you have Lady Eve, who's going around and yelling at Tobias Church because innocent people are dying. Tobias well, Whale. Tobias Church was Arrow. Tobias, uh, Tobias Church was Arrow. Uh, Tobias, another confusing element. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, you know, she's confronting Tobias Whale because innocent people are getting caught in a crossfire. Well, what are you? Are you a mastermind or are you someone who wants to see innocent people saved? Like, I don't – I'm, I'm almost confused by the relationship with Tobias and Lady Eve. Yeah. It's, and and like you said, they feel kind of flat right now. I don't understand the motivation uh, of the villains. That's confusing. And, and it it's kind of like, are they just trying to run Freeland, which they're already doing? Are they just trying not to lose their grip and they're just money hungry? Or is there something else to it? And it, right now, I generally don't know. Um, I mean, like Lady Eve's big thing is don't make martyrs out of people. You know, it, it's kind of like it's bad for business. And it seems like it's she just wants to run a criminal empire. And that was kind of it. Um, and Tobias's big angle is he made all of his street cred based off of being an ex-politician that killed and then was the man that killed Black Lightning. And that's it. So it's kind of. If he feels like a more empty character than I 
expected. I thought he was going to be something much larger and much bigger. Um, but there's still plenty of time. We're, we're four episodes into, what, 13 episodes. So there's plenty 13 of time. 13 episode season, yeah. Plenty of time for him to grow. It, it's just uh, uh, starting to need a little bit more, uh, and they can't kind of rest on their laurels to do the same thing on repeat. It uh, feels like we had two episodes back-to-back without forward momentum. Um, or the forward momentum was so minor that it was uh, making me wonder. But, I mean, again, regardless, I love all the characters in this show. That's just the only thing that is right now is the villains seem very weak. So, Yeah, no, I, and I agree with that completely. Um, before we look forward to next week, or this coming week, rather, anything else that you want to bring up as far as the show goes? Nope, I'm good. <laughs> All right. uh, so looking forward to next week. Uh, an unexpected phone call unearths the long-buried need for Jefferson to investigate the murder of his father. So we're going to dive a little bit further more now into the backstory of Jefferson and maybe find out a little bit more as to why he uh, he's doing what he's doing and, and why he stepped into the mantle of Black Lightning to begin with. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, all right. Lastly, we have Arrow, the only show that got a legend from us this week, and deservingly so. Uh, The Devil's Greatest Trick, Season 6, Episode 13. Caden James launches a full-out attack when he uncovers a secret about the Green Arrow that puts him over the edge. Uh, IMDb gave this an 8.6, while IGN gave this a 7.2. So pretty close uh, to one another, and pretty much on the high end as well, as we gave this both a legend. So, a lot of stuff plays out in this episode and I will sum it all up again to my favorite part of this episode into two words, Michael Emerson, man, he was fantastic. This episode, he was the highlight to me. Like his acting was phenomenal. This episode. Yeah. I honestly, you know what the funny thing is? I don't think we're going to talk very long in this one either. It's just, a lot of it had to do with that backstory that we got about who Caden James really was. And he was straight up, as they put it before, a hacktivist that just was not afraid to go to the next step. And But it was a very Robin Hood-esque version of him, as we found out in the past. Not at all the helix that we got to know uh, last season. So kind of interesting on how that kind of played out. Um but I will say there was this one moment in this when after he has this hack of this big pharma company and basically takes all of this embezzled money from them and kind of says, nope, you don't have it anymore. Um, him going to see his son Owen's basketball game. And we know that he's got the FBI and Argus on his heels. And it's just him looking out from the window outside to watching his son play. And the Argus agent's going to stop him and say, he's just like, hey, guys, just, you know what? Uh, don't make a big show of this. It just, would you mind giving me just five minutes? I'm not going to run. Just maybe you can spare me this just small pleasantry and let me watch my son play basketball for a moment. And that's it. And then I'll happily be on, on my way with you. And it was these little small moments and his reaction to finding out his son's death in the past. And then, honestly, the back and forth between him and William, which was very surprising yeah, um, and was very strong. And then even just that last his last moments with Oliver in this episode as well of that be a better father than I was. All these little things were brilliantly, brilliantly acted. And of course, because it's Michael Emerson, of course, it's brilliantly acted. Um, <laughs> but, man, it was really touching. Like and I, you made it. it a character I had zero Fs to give about. 
Uh, I suddenly did. And then what happens? <laughs> so, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you make a good point, and and that's in that in this episode, in just this forty-two minute time period, we had a complete role reversal on this character on Caden James. I mean, again, he was a character like you mentioned. We really didn't care too much about. We knew he was a big bad. We didn't know what his motivations were, other than the fact that he believed that Oliver killed his son. And within one episode. It gets completely turned on its head where you have those moments, like you said, at the basketball game where you actually care. Like, I, I remember watching that scene and being like, oh, just please just let him watch his son's basketball game. Like, it's, you know, it's really touching that he wants to do that because you find out, again, blackmailing that big pharma company, you know, embezzling the money from that. And in a matter of time, he goes from the start of this episode being this big bad who wants to set off this bomb in in the city and kill you know, everybody because he's holding the city hostage uh, to by the end of it, trying to do what's right and make good on everything he's done, like realizing Arrow, uh, Oliver was not the one that killed his son. So he tells him, here's where you can find the bank accounts where I embezzled all the money here. You can have the money back and everything else. He tries to make right on everything that he did mm-hmm. when he realizes he was wrong. Yeah. You don't ever see that from characters like this. Especially on Arrow. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, out of all of these shows, you don't have ones turn a new leaf. You see it on Flash. You don't see it on Arrow. Uh, and not to this level. You don't see them just own up for, you know, the crimes of their pasts. I mean, he's very broken by the very end of this. And he's just kind of like, you know what? I was the one that let my son down. And I was about to do it in an even worse way. And I'm really thankful that you stopped me. And that's kind of the way it went. Yeah. So, um, and, I mean, again, we we bring up the acting chops of Michael Emerson. He's a phenomenal actor in everything that he's been, whether it was Lost or um, Person of Interest and now Arrow. And even in Lost, like when it comes to being like the father figure, he he plays the father figure. He plays the awkward father figure rather well. Um you know, and he has those touching moments. We saw it in this week's episode of Arrow where, the, you know, as you mentioned, the basketball game, that touching moment of feeling like he let down his son and now he wants to watch his son play basketball before he goes away. And then you you go back to Lost where, you know, you find out that Alex, the girl on the island, is really his daughter. And I, I remember in particular the the episode where his daughter dies and it's, you know, he's he's trying to be a good father, but he does it all the wrong way. And when Alex is murdered on Lost, like, you really feel for his character. And it's the same thing this time around, too, in that his acting is just so great that you you can't help but go along with what the writers are trying to do, and that's flip this character around in your head. Yeah, and hey, they did it a second time. Uh, we had that with Vincent Sobel, uh, a.k.a. Vigilante, yeah. and Vigilante's fate wasn't great for him <laughs> so uh and i hate to say it but caden james's fate wasn't too great by the end of this one as well um obviously playing off of last week uh the angle of the other mole in the episode uh on the villain side uh definitely makes light of itself by week's end um this this past episode and I love the way that they played the angles and the way that they shot this episode. Because any time you were around Diaz and, you know, Black Siren and Anatoly, it was the question of who it was. They always played that kind of whodunit angle, um, the way that you, they shoot whodunit films. 
and they kind of tip off here, tip off there, this look this way, and it makes you question who it was. It was fun to play along, even though we all had a really good idea already last week who it was going to be. Uh, yeah, but, you pretty much predicted it last week. I mean, I know some people that may not know comics as well. Uh, or maybe thinking, maybe it really is Anatoly. Maybe it really was Black Siren, all these other things. And I was like, nope. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I'm pretty damn certain. And uh, yeah, so before we get there, I guess, do we want to tie up other odds and ends of, the, of, the, of, this, of this episode before we get to the big twist? Um. Well, I mean, there there was one thing in particular that kind of, kind of, I, I don't want to say left, no, it left me confused. Um, I don't know where they're going with the Quentin and Black Siren aspect of this. Uh, obviously, we see Laurel shot, Black Siren shot by the end, Quentin rescues her, keeps her in the car, and now it almost seems like it's reverse Nightingale syndrome. It seems like he's almost kidnapping his own doppelganger daughter oh yeah no you know, like he's got like, what he did <laughs> like he's going to force her to have this this turn and i mean we've talked about this before i know you kind of feel like it's something that needs to happen i know Anne, uh, listener anna said it's something she feels like is something that needs to happen i don't know if it does and i still feel that way like i still kind of feel like like I, I, I could have understood it if she kind of played both sides a little bit. Like if she was, if she came became a character that played, you know, almost like like a Punisher aspect of it. She does I, actually, what. Real quick, I think Anne was on your side of the fence. So oh, was she? Okay, all right. Yeah, sorry. Um, like I could feel like if she if she rode the line of you know good and bad. Like she did bad things. Um, kind of like a Catwoman. Cat yeah, that's kind of that's kind of yeah. where I want her to end up. And I think that's, that's kind of, where I would like her. I think, to, yeah. I, I think that's probably where it will fall by season's end. More than likely, she'll do a heroic thing and that'll be it. And then she'll pop her head in in the show from time to time. Uh, kind of like a Captain Cold. You know, I think that's would would work fine. It's kind of like, well, you don't know what they're here for, but whatever it's going to be, it's going to be to move forward their own agenda and occasionally do something nice. So and that's fine. I think that's OK on how it goes. It's just a big wait and yeah. see. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's what I want to see come out of this character. I don't need to see her return to full-blown hero. I, I really don't. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, What did you think of the murder-murder, stabby-stabby version of uh, Black Canary? Uh, it's understandable why she's being that way. Um, but for somebody who has worked with this team already for a while. And not only that, but has seen other members of the team lose loved ones and, and similar things happen. I kind of feel like it's a little blown out of proportion. Uh, yeah. I, and I, I don't know if it was actually acted out very well either. Uh, it felt really overplayed. Um, and the same way that Quentin's angle was played, even, you know, Paul Blackthorne's acting in some of those scenes was really overplayed, um, which was kind of disappointing because uh, Paul Blackthorne's one of my favorite actors on the show. And even yeah. his line delivery felt a little ham fisted at times. And Juliana Harkavy's oh, most of her dialogue line, uh, you know, reads in this episode felt very overplayed. And it was again, it was just kind of like, yeah, this is making me like her character less. Um 
and it was drama for drama's sake, but I don't think it was enough that it pushed it out of legend territory, but it got it skating the line a little close in a moment or two. Um, yeah, two two angles of this story I wasn't a big fan of, but they were such small blips on the on the radar of it all um, that I'm, I'm not sure where I stood. Um, and I, honestly, going back to the first episode we talked about this week uh, being uh, Supergirl, man, a lot of screaming in the Arrowverse this week. A lot of screaming yeah. between Purity, Black Siren, and Black Canary. And I'm like, guys, I think it's time to find a different power set. <laughs> I really, really do. Uh, because I was just kind of like, what's next? Silver Banshee makes it a random appearance. Oh, wait. Actually, you know what? There is something we missed. Speaking of quick appearances, even though we didn't see Grant Gustin. Oh, that's right. That's Flash right. kind of made an appearance this week on Arrow, which was kind of damn cool. Um, it's 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 kind of damn cool, but here's my thoughts on this. I know where you're um, going. Go ahead and say it. It's, it's, it's really cool that they did it. I love the fact when they do it every once in a while. Just don't take advantage of it. Oh, they don't really. Like, I mean, it's that, really that, rare that it does. But I was disappointed that Dickle didn't throw up. <laughs> yes, and that was the other thing too, is because we always see that uh, we always see that come out of it, and um, we yeah we didn't get any of that this week. So it's you know it was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. So, but no, it was fun seeing him. At least just seeing the the lightning bolts show up this time around. Yeah. I thought so, it was and seeing cool. Barry make that quick appearance. All right. I'm going to let you do the honors, sir. Um, What honors? Uh, the big twist. Because we still haven't the, said. Oh, who, well, I was going to let you do it because you kind of predicted it. Okay. Well, I mean, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, uh, our big prediction, um, uh, well, you know, was that, you know, Richard Dragon would be the big bad of this all. Uh, surprise, surprise, surprise. Uh, as Caden is in lockup at SCPD, who joins the fray but Ricardo Diaz. Yes. And um, you hear him say straight, you know, Caden James looks at him and says, is this a break? And he's like, nope. These are all the things I've been doing behind your back. And he's like, but also I'm the one that put the hit on your son. Um which left Caden uh, James being stabbed through the was it it was the throat I believe correct I think I think he stabbed in the neck it was stabbed, with, uh, stabbed through the neck something yeah, yeah. stabbed through yeah. the neck um, and leaving us with our big bad a big bad that we know nothing about right now uh, because the question is what is his well we know what his end goal was it's just to run the city it's a very Damien Dark esque kind of nope. Uh, well, actually, that wasn't even Damien Dark. Damien Dark was to wipe out most life and have the arc. Um, but this was more on the Malcolm Merlin angle of it all. Of nope, I'm just taking over Star City. So no, and 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 he plays it uh, rather intelligently in the fact that, and he even says it when he reveals his plan is like he pretty much puts it out there like why why should I have to do all the work when I can have you do it for me. And, you know, the threats of Kate and James with the bomb and everything frightens the city so much and tears the city apart with from within that it's now prime for taking over. Yeah. And so he, he has Kate and James do all the work for him. And now he steps in and gets his business done a lot easier than he had planned. Yeah. And I think that was actually kind of cool. I love the fact that there's that twist. Now, they still have to build onto him and make him actually a terrifying villain. Um, you know, they are getting there. And I think by the way of him having that nice twist. 
Um, but now they have a chance to really build upon him without a lot of extra chaff. Because do, does Anatoly factor into this at all anymore? Is that just done and over with? Um, what about Black Siren now in the hands of Quentin Lance? How does this all play out? It's very. I'm very curious to see where this kind of heads now at this point in time. So, Yeah. Well, not only that, but you've kind of gotten a little bit of a hint um, in just one line from that whole thing at the end is that Richard Dragon's plan is so much more deeper ingrained than we even knew about it. Because he even says, you know, my visit here is because the chief of police is in my is on my payroll. Mm-hmm. So he's already got his hands into this city and probably much deeper than we even know yet at this point. Yeah. Uh, you know, the FBI agent is that somebody, you know, working for him uh, or does the just doctored footage that he leaked is that just what's leading the charge or is, you know, the, there's obviously a lot more to this. Uh, does yeah. Richard Dragon know? I mean, I would assume obviously Richard Dragon knows who Oliver Queen is um, because of the setup. That was going to be my other question. Yeah, that well, was going to be my other question. Because of the setup know. and from being within Caden James's organization, more than likely, yes. So obviously Anatoly does. Uh, obviously Vincent Sobel did. And Black Siren obviously does. So it's interesting to see how this is going to play out. So I'm really looking forward to, to seeing this continue on and see where things go. Not this coming, uh, that, not this current week, but next. So, no, yeah, me too. It's, it's going to be interesting just in general, because this show has picked up so much since we were giving it close to sidekick ratings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of our biggest complaints was what are they doing with the villains? Like it was so confusing as to what their motivations were, where they were going with it. And in just a matter of two or three episodes, completely cleared it all up. Mm-hmm. So uh, why did we ever give up faith? I don't think we ever, we never gave up faith in this show, but why did we ever question it? Uh, well, hey. Ultimately, I think it's because, again, we keep talking about last season and last season was strong from the start. And right now it, it took, you know, what episode number was this? Uh, 13, 13. I think it took up to episode 13 for us to be like, yeah. cool. OK, understandable. Um, had a very, you know, it, it's it had a lot of ups and downs and it had a lot of those middling heroes to some good, strong heroes to some episodes that were just not great um, to get us here. And now that it's here, I just want it to keep the momentum that it's got on me right now. Uh, it was on an upswing, just needs to say, stay in the upswing and just leave it at that. Um, but I am really looking forward to the ride and I'm very curious to see where things go. Um, and I'm Curious to see how the team fracture continues to play out. I know we've got Arsenal coming back in the mix soon for a little bit. Um, yeah, when is that happening? Uh, I don't know what the episode numbers are, but I think it's fairly soon. I think it's in the next three episodes, if memory serves correctly. Um, but yeah, it'll be soon. So, um, But yeah, I'm curious to see when when all that goes down and how much longer we see this Black Siren versus Black Canary angle go on for, what they're doing with Quentin, all this stuff. So um, yeah, I I'm, I'm along for the ride and enjoying it right, or right now where we're at. So, Yeah, mm-hmm. same with me. Uh, all right, so that's going to wrap it up then for the shows this week. Uh, I think we're a little light on news, uh, so I'll turn it back over to you and just let you hit those quick stories real quick. All right, so um, right now, it's uh, as far as TV stuff, we, I think, have two tiny little stories. 
Um, there is a little bit of a rumbling right now, and a lot of people aren't very sure if this is accurate or not. Uh, but it said like Zack Snyder was actually fired um, initially uh, during Justice League. Uh, was were um, not maybe really there, but actually was a little bit more talk of him being let go initially uh, before he, the full stepping away. But no one's really entirely certain exactly how this is going. Um, but I will state this. This is what was listed on Twitter. And it says this is from Josh L. Dickey. He says, since I'm shift, uh, shifting into don't uh, sorry and for the language, don't give a fuck mode. Here's a hot one for you. Zack Snyder was fired from the DCEU just over one year ago. Couldn't write it, uh, you know, quite uh, that way at the time, but uh, was able to tap dance around it. Uh, clumsy, oblique headlines, not mine. Uh, and they said Zack Snyder's future at Warner Brothers movie limited as um, background uh, was the initial, but not apparently entirely true. It sounds like over a year ago he was actually canned um, before Joss Whedon was brought in. So I'm very curious to see if this was accurate or not, but um, this was... Uh, an editor actually who is leaving entertainment journalism for greener pastures as they put it. But he said, I don't really care, but he worked for variety and mashable. Uh, so variety, obviously no small, uh, you know, magazine group. <laughs> so, Oh no, not at uh, all. So I, I get a lot of news from variety. So if he was well aware of this, this is him just kind of saying, well, that's that. Um, so maybe very true. Maybe not entirely. Uh, this just something that just broke very recently. Um, all right, so let's get into something interesting. Uh, and something I'm not very, <laughs> that wasn't interesting, uh, something I'm just not sure what is going on here. But according to the Hollywood Reporter, Michael Bay might direct Lobo. Uh, <sighs> please don't let yeah. it happen, please don't let it happen at all. But apparently, he did say if he does direct the film for Warner Brothers, he will only do so if the massive $200 million budget is slashed. Um, and I'm like, Michael Bay turned down money to have more explosions and a whole bunch of involvement in military bases. Really? I don't think that's possible. Um, <laughs> so, um, so it's a big wait and see, but regardless though, uh, the Lobo, Lobo screenwriter is saying, uh, the comic book run he's drawing inspiration from is this. And the writer right now is attached to this is Jason Fush. Um, and he said this specifically, uh, I think that when you're working on comic book characters, especially ones that are near and dear to your heart, like Wonder Woman and Lobo is for me, you want to create something that's true to what the original text is. I think Wonder Woman really captured the feeling of not only the original uh, Molten Marston comics, but the George Perez run in the late 80s. It feels like reading those comics up on the big screen. Uh, so for something like Lobo, without saying too much about it, It'll feel, uh, I imagine, quite different because the Lobo comic itself is quite different. What Keith Griffin and Alan Grant put together was something really unique and hopeful. And I'm hoping to capture some of that same spirit when we make that movie. Uh, now, Jason Fosh was one of the writers on, uh, on not Superman, uh, Wonder Woman. Sorry, Blech. can't talk. <laughs> so I feel your mm -hmm. pain. Uh, yeah, like I said, you had a lot of stuff. I, I had just work in PT, but my brain is still <laughs> this mush. <laughs> so, um, all right, jumping into some Flashpoint discussion, uh, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein on uh, how they were approached to tackle the movie. And they said, as far as everything, um, they said Warner Brothers actually did reach out to them, but they said, here's a list of DC properties and said, 
Uh, now, and they basically said, are you interested in anything from them? Uh, or is there anything on this list that we are considering working on? And they said, this is not a promise at all. And even Daly said, they even said very clearly, this is not a promise that you'll get to work on anything. But we're just curious if you guys have any interest. Uh, but they did say um, very specifically that Goldstein zeroed in on Flash um, and specifically Flashpoint because he collected Flash comics as a kid and through his teenage years and just loved the character so much. So he was saying um, after working on things like Spider-Man, he's like, if there was any one character he ever wanted to work on and do something big for Woody Flash. So they said they were beyond excited the fact that they had an opportunity. And they said when they said Flashpoint, um, there was a little bit more conversation between Warner Brothers and them. And they said, we totally understand why you want to do this. Uh, it's yours if you guys are interested. And uh, they just went from there after they had some further discussions. So uh, it's really kind of cool to know that uh, there's Flash fans beyond and behind uh, Flashpoint. And they did a great job writing Spider-Man Homecoming. I just really look forward to seeing what they're capable of behind the camera. Obviously, their big film that's coming out together is Game Night. Um, so it's just a big wait and see. So, yeah. Uh, jumping into a little bit of Aquaman territory, we talked the other week about seeing Black Manta in full classic suit. Uh, it sounds like Jason Momoa will be as well, uh, which makes me so excited uh, that they said the classic, uh, you know, gold and green will definitely be on full uh, full watch on the film. And we will definitely see him in that classic suit that harkens back to the good old days. Um, so uh, they said definitely you will be seeing it not just uh what we saw of the armor from justice league so i'll tell you i'm actually excited at, at some point over these next couple days while i'm still home from work recovering um i fully plan to go back and rewatch justice league because I, I will too <laughs> you know i i've been wanting to for a while and i you know and i'm just gonna finally do it mm-hmm um, next, uh, we have a little bit from Chris McKay as far as Nightwing is concerned. Now they did say, uh, close to Valentine's day. Uh, they'd have a little bit of an update and he said, hi guys. Uh, some early Valentine's day news. The Nightwing script expected very, very, very soon working on the Ripomatic to show the studio. Um, this is going to be a long, 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 long process. So don't expect casting news anytime soon. We are taking our time, but expect very big things from DC Jeff Johns and the Warner Brothers team. Uh, exciting, very, very exciting year ahead. So more than likely San Diego Comic-Con is when we'll probably hear a lot more about this. But it sounds like um, all steam and well, not all steam ahead. Sorry, full steam ahead is uh, definitely happening for Nightwing. So uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Chris McKay does, especially Lego ba after Lego Batman. So. All right. So. um Actually, I'm going to bump that one to the last movie discussion. Actually, know what? I'm even going to change this up completely. Screw it. <laughs> All right. Because I'm reading it and I can do it any way I want to. Um, so uh, jumping into Wonder Woman 2 real quick. It sounds like we have a good idea uh, as far as who our big bad is for Wonder Woman 2. And that's because of the working title for Wonder Woman 2 being the Magic Hour, which is telling most people there's a high chance this could be Cersei, the sorceress. Um which I really want to see that happen because this is a great, 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 great way to maybe build to Wonder Woman 3 with uh, Cheetah as the big bad. Because uh, if you're familiar with Cersei, um, 
aside from her kind of being a very over-the-top kind of villain uh, in the Wonder Woman villains pantheon, uh, she loves turning people, specifically humans, into animals. And if you need a really interesting way to make Cheetah into this, uh, you could easily have Cheetah shoehorned into this uh, film somehow by uh, Cersei's involvement. Or even the setting up Cheetah for the third film uh, through Cersei's involvement. But I think this is a brilliant choice and a really brilliant pick for the second big bad for uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to seeing this play out. So I think she's definitely not as much of a uh, faceless uh, character like Ares is kind of was treated. Um, and it is sometimes it has, a, has a tendency to be portrayed a little bit as in uh, even the comics. Um I think Cersei is just just large enough uh, as far as just pure chaos that this could be a lot of fun. So uh, that's another so, that, that's another movie I need to go back and rewatch. Yeah. Wonder Woman. I actually watched it not that long ago again, and it still is just makes me smile. So oh, yeah. um, I'm saving the last big uh, TV or uh, well, actually a movie thing for the very end here. But let's get into a little bit of quick TV stuff. Uh, the rated R Harley Quinn animated series characters actually are breaking down that we will definitely be seeing Poison Ivy and the Joker as definites in this. Uh, but in addition to it, sounds like we would also be seeing Cyborg, not Cyborg with a C, but Cyborg with the S-Y, uh, if you've read the Palmiotti and Connor uh, version of, you know, Harley Quinn when the New 52 started, obviously you definitely know who Cyborg is, who is just, I, I'm just going to say look it up, that's S-Y-B-O-R-G. It's so much easier because it's just interesting. Uh, but also Clayface, King Shark, and Dr. Psycho would be making appearances, so it sounds like this is going to be a bit of a who's who with villains, uh, and it sounds like it's going to be quite a bit of fun, so... I'm really looking forward to this when this does kick off down the road. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> jumping into a little bit more Titans discussions, man, the show keeps getting cooler and cooler and cooler. And that's all thanks to the Doom Patrol officially being announced as characters that will be appearing uh, because this is the best way to bring in Beast Boy because that means maybe we'll be seeing Elastigirl, Negative Man, Robot Man and Mento. Uh, and the manipulative chief pulling the strings. So I'm very curious to see how that's going to go. But uh, I, the interesting thing in this is it says episodes number 105 Doom Patrol. And the even better part is it says written by Jeff Johns on that cover sheet of that script for Titans. So that means the writing is super well, well underway. So I have a feeling we're going to be seeing a lot more about Titans very soon if they're already looking at episode number five. So. Um, I want a trailer. <laughs> I, I, my guess is give it two months and you're, we're going to have one. So uh, I guarantee we will definitely get that by spring. All right. Uh, and the last big story of the week, uh, that Todd Phillips standalone Joker film may have found its clown prince of crime. That being none other than Joaquin Phoenix. Um, this is a very interesting choice of casting. Yes, and actually, kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, like, I'm really I'm on awesome board. Casting. I'm on board for this. Yeah, I'm totally um, on board for this. Again, very much a rumor right now. Um, but it it's I think if this is the call, this is a really great call. Um, I think he's got the gravitas and the chops to pull this off, and he's just insane enough of a human being to pull it off too. So, um. And just an exceptional actor to begin with. So I, I, I'm really excited to see if that's that's going to be where they go. 
But I uh, want to see I, I want to see Joaquin and Josh Gad team up, Joker and Penguin. Oh God, that would be interesting, <laughs> wouldn't it? That would be really, really interesting. But yeah, so uh, uh, right now again a huge rumor, but give it some time, wait and see, and we'll see where things go. But uh, I have a feeling, you know what? I have a feeling San Diego Comic Con is going to be huge for DC news this year. I really do, and. Um, I, it, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where all this goes. So We're going to get the announcements of Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker and John Hamm as the new Bruce Wayne Batman. Man, I want that so bad, but I don't think <laughs> So do I. I still think we're getting Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, but um, that's, I, also, that's still not a bad thing, though. Uh, but I It's still not a bad thing, but I want I, John Hamm. I do, too. <laughs> all right. Uh. So that's it for the news this week. Oh, actually, there is a final, final thing, and that is, if you haven't checked it out yet, if you want to see the full trailer for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it is out there. Um, so if you haven't checked that out, as we even mentioned last week, that more than likely would be out there within a week. It definitely was. It was out the next day. So, and it looks fun. It looks it like does. a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right. Um, I don't really have any recommendations. The only recommendation I'm going to make is if you haven't had the chance to do it yet, uh, since it's something we're going to be talking about on the next podcast, check out Batman Gotham by Gaslight. Uh, cause that's, I know what we're, uh, what we're going to be checking out this week as well. So, uh, my recommendation for the week is Gotham by Gaslight. And same for me, uh, cheap plugs. Cause, oh my God, I need to go. It's like 1030. <laughs> I know. And I still have to edit this before it's up for tomorrow morning. Uh, cheap plugs. As we mentioned at the top, you can check us out, uh, this podcast, as well as all of the other podcasts on the next level podcast network, next level radio online.com. Uh, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash next level radio online. You can check out the Facebook page for this particular podcast uh facebook.com slash dc primetime and once again our dc primetime voicemail 1-888-247-5380 toll free in the u.s and canada as for me you can always find me through next level radio through the capping crew cast of pods episode 43 the villains episode just went up check that out when you get a second and uh, outside of that, a big special thanks to George Shaw at George Shaw Music. Uh, make sure to check out his tunes that you get to hear each and every week on this podcast. Uh, head on over to odysseyart.net as well. Check out our friend Brian Rolls, uh, Torchlight Society, now starting up into year two, taking new subscriptions for that as well. I wanted to give him a plug before we got out. But uh, as we mentioned, next week we'll only have Black Lightning and Legends of Tomorrow to talk about as Flash Arrow are on break for the Olympics. Supergirl is done for the next couple weeks. Uh, so we'll do those two shows as well as talk about Gotham by Gaslight, which we'll watch this week as well. Uh, if you're watching the Olympics, please enjoy them i know i've been watching a bunch of them too uh but until next week we'll see you guys around the bend take care peace